Amen. Well, let me read uh, to you 1 John chapter 2, 12 through 14. This is John, and he says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake, for Jesus' name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I've written to you, children, because you know the Father. I've written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. You know, as I was reading through this passage this week, and as I was working through it verse by verse, like I always do, just so many truths came to mind. It's a passage that is full of God's truth. But over everything else, there was one phrase that God just kept on bringing to mind again and again. And every time it came to my mind, it encouraged me. It filled my heart with joy. And this was the phrase. It was the simple phrase of, there is room for you. There's room for you. See, as I read this passage about children and young men and fathers, the Lord just kept on speaking. In, in my family, there's room for you. In my body, there's room for you. Remember, John, he's not writing to unbelievers. John is writing to Christians, Christ followers, people of the way. And he's encouraging Christians in their walk with the Lord. And in these three verses, he's speaking to all of us, right? To everyone that would be represented in the body of Christ. He's speaking to those who are young in the faith. He's speaking to those who are older in the faith. He's speaking to those who maybe are immature in their faith and also those who are mature. He's speaking to all of us. And you can just see this strong desire, this heart of John, to encourage everyone and anyone who might be hearing his words. He begins this section by saying, I'm writing to you, dear children. And when he says, dear children, you just need to know he's speaking to all of us. He, he says, dear children, or little children, six times in this letter. And, and by now, John is a much older man, and he's speaking to us as a father would speak to his child. And he speaks from a place of love. If you remember last week's pa passage, uh, it, it got a little hot in here, if you remember. It was extremely intense. And I don't have time to read it again. Please go back and uh, listen to the podcast. But his words were extremely serious. And after today's passage, he's about to get pretty serious again. So if you want to be a part of that, come next Sunday. But sandwiched in between these warnings is this incredible, amazing encouragement. He wants to encourage every Christ follower, every Christ follower with wonderful news. Children, children, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. As we sang in those worship songs, there really is no greater news than this. John wants you to really know, like understand, your sins are forgiven. Child of God, your sins are forgiven in Christ. You have eternal life in Christ. It's done, it's settled, it's finished. And throughout this letter, John has to address these different false teachings of others. And so here John, he's given this charge to the faithful. And he says, don't let anyone confuse you. Don't let anyone distract you. Don't let anyone convince you otherwise. You're in the family. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. And your sins are no longer counted against you. You no longer have to pay the penalty for your sins. Your sins are forgiven. Now, Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. He says, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. Again, just as we sang about redemption in his blood forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he has lavished upon us so he's reminding us of this of this glorious truth and then i love what he writes he says because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake 
Who's the him there? Or his, yeah. Another translation says, on account of his name. And that's really important. I hope you get that. Because your sins aren't forgiven because of your great name. Right? Your sins aren't forgiven because of what you've done or how great you are. No, your sins are forgiven on account of his name. For his name's sake. Because of him. And that's so important that we understand that. Because then who receives the glory for your salvation? Jesus. Who receives the glory for your sins being forgiven? Jesus. Sometimes we kind of want to make it us, right? Look how good I am. Look how great I am. But no, it's God. It's God. Because of how amazing, powerful, wonderful that He is, our sins are forgiven. So don't forget that, little children. Right? Don't be led astray. Don't think that forgiveness comes from anybody or anything else. It's found in God. It's found in His name and for His glory. And then the rest of this passage, he talks to fathers, he talks to young men, he talks to children. And let's read this. I'll, I'll read starting at verse 13. He says, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing you young men because you've overcome the evil one. I've written to you children because you know the father. I've written to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I've written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you've overcome the evil one. Again, by the time he's done here, he's really addressed all of us. Everyone in this room, if you're a Christ follower, he's tried to encourage you. He, again, it's a very encouraging passage. Children, young men and women, fathers and mothers, family of God. And right away, I think when we read something like that, we want to make it all about cr chronological age, right? Like how long you've been on this earth. You know, young people and then maybe some older people and then the oldest people. But you've got to understand, John's making a deeper point. He, he's talking about our spiritual maturity. He's speaking to all of us, those who are spiritually immature, all the way to those who are spiritually mature. And, and I love that. And that's why, again, today, regardless of where you are in this whole process of becoming and maturing to become more like Christ, wherever you are, there's encouragement for you. You're going to leave here being encouraged by the Word of God. From the spiritually immature to the spiritually mature. There's room for you in the family. I think God really wants you to hear that today. There's room for you. And God wants to encourage you today. Now in general, we need to remember that the Christian walk is a process. Have you noticed that? That it's a process. Some people might call it a journey. Um, it really is. It's just a, a journey of faith. And by the way, you need to hear this too. He doesn't love people that are further along on the journey more than he loves those who are not as long as, as far along on the journey. He loves you the same regardless of where you're at. But we do need to understand the Christian walk is a journey. Last Sunday, we looked at this intensely powerful uh, passage of Scripture. And in that passage, John tells us that we as Christians, we should look like Jesus. It was challenging, wasn't it? It was challenging, and we should look like him. We should act like him, and ultimately we should love like him. Remember that as Jesus has loved you, you, you love one another. So that's the journey we're on. In, in so many ways, that's the goal of life, to be like Jesus. Paul declares in the book of Acts, he says, For in him, in Jesus, we live and we move and we have our being. Church, the goal is Jesus. The reward is Jesus. Even the amazing change that happens by the Holy Spirit, all of that change is so that we can be more like Jesus. It's a process. 
And in this passage from 1 John, it should be encouraging everyone here. If you're in Christ, you're forgiven. Wherever you might be on this journey of spiritual growth and development, you're a part of the family, you're forgiven, you're loved, there's room for you here. But we also need to remember that it's a journey. We're called to grow. We're called to become more like Jesus. We are not meant to stay the same. So look at this. In, in verse 13, he says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I'm writing to you, dear children, because you know the Father. So here's that word children again, like in verse 12. But you need to know something important happens here in the Greek. In verse 12, the first verse I read, the dear children, your sins have been forgiven. He uses the word called, uh, in the Greek, is technia. And, and technia is a real simple word. It just means born one. And without regard to your age, it just means you've been born. And, and so we're all included in that statement. And again, uh, John, he's addressing us as children. And he's the father, and we're the children. And he uses that phrase again five other times in this letter. Children, my little children, your sins are forgiven. But now he transitions. In verse 13, he uses a different word. He uses the word paideia. And paideia means little child, a little child in the sense of there's an ignorance, uh, meaning you are still under the instruction of a parent, a paideia. So you're talking about a child who would need to be trained, a child who needs to be taught, a child who needs to be instructed. That's why instructors were called uh, paidagoges, responsible for the instruction of little ones, of children. And so he says, you know, I know some of you are children in this sense that you still need to be taught, that you still need to learn. But he says, I got good news for you. In fact, it's great news. As much as you have so much to learn, you know the Father. You know the Father. And I was thinking about it when we came to Christ. Just think about that conversion experience. When you said yes to Jesus, when you received salvation, one of the first things that really hits us, if you remember, is that we are now in a relationship with the Father. Do you remember that? It, I mean, just the feelings of that. It was amazing. I have a father. I have a heavenly father. And it's awesome and it's amazing. I have a father. And, and we begin to love the father, don't we? We go, oh, man, I love you, daddy. I love you, father. And a baby loves his parent. It's in a very similar way. We love our father. It reminds me, I was at Ava's swimming lessons on Tuesday night. And she's in one pool. And in the other pool were these fathers with their little ones. I mean, little ones. Like some of these kids, I mean, one-year-old, they could barely stand. But they had it where they would place the little ones on the side of the pool. And then they would ask the little ones to step forward into the water and fall into their father's arms. And at this point in your walk, that's kind of how it goes, Right? You're not too concerned about theology or doctrine or what you know or what you don't know. You're just amazed that because of Jesus, now you have experienced the love of the Father, and it's awesome and amazing. And as little kids, we kind of just fall into his arms. And that's a really positive part of being a spiritual child. A negative side would be that in your immaturity, you're easily influenced. And we've seen this, right? In your immaturity, you're easily influenced. And so you need to be trained. You need to be taught because you don't have a lot of discernment. So you can easily be deceived. And you can kind of just run after anything, believe in anything. There's just this ignorance. And because of this, you can easily be led astray. With younger believers, with immature believers, this is where cults find their success, right? This is where they have their heyday. False teachers, false doctrines, they make their living on spiritual infants. But John, he's here to encourage you. He wants to proclaim some good news to you this morning. Dear children, I write to you because you have a father and you know the father. 
All right, moving on. Verse 13, he says, I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. That's a strong statement, church. He adds in verse 14, I've written to you, young men, because you are strong in the word of God. Say it with me. It abides in you. Do we have that one? The next verse? Yeah, so read that, read that with me. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you've overcome the evil one. See, infants rejoice in the relationship they have with their father, and they should. But then you grow, and as you grow, you grow in your knowledge of the Father. He says, I'm writing to you young men, spiritual young men, you've overcome the evil one. That's an important statement. You've overcome the evil one. How did you do that? Well, verse 14, because you're strong. Well, how did you get strong? Because the word of God abides in you. That's how you overcome the evil one. The characteristic of a spiritual young man or woman is somebody who knows the word of God. The Word of God abides in them. They know what the Bible teaches. They're equipped with spiritual knowledge. As a child, there's this ignorance. But as a young man, as a young woman, there is now a knowledge. You are learning about God. The Word of God is in you. And I love that he says you're strong. He says you're strong. And that makes sense if you think about it. Because why? You're feeding on the Word of God. Every day, you're consuming that daily manna, the daily bread of his Word. And guess what? That's going to build you up. And it's going to give you strength. It reminds me of Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and blown there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. See, as spiritual food comes in, as you eat your spiritual Wheaties, so to speak, spiritual strength is gained, and you're no longer tossed to and fro. In fact, with spiritual strength, it says, you even overcame the evil one. And that's a huge encouragement. It encourages me. A spiritual young man has overcome the evil one. The word of God is in you. Because of this, you overcame the evil one. And as a pastor, I love seeing people grow into young men and women of the faith. It's one of my greatest joys. It's very powerful to me. But this transition from spiritual child to young man it's also where I find one of the greatest and biggest roadblocks for people's spiritual development. Because so many of us, we just get caught up in that wonder of being saved from our sins, from being forgiven of our sins. And it's awesome and amazing. And yet so many of us just kind of stop there. We don't take the time to take the next steps of pursuing and following God. We say yes to God, but then when He starts to try to lead us, we don't follow that happens quite a bit. We don't daily ingest the word of God. We don't take time to feed on the daily bread of God's word. And so you still try to be strong, right? You still try to overcome the evil one, but you do it without the word of God in you. And this person's life, and we've all witnessed this, this person's life is a roller coaster, tossed to and fro because you do not have the word of God in you. You know, the sad part about that is it doesn't have to be this way. God is ready, willing, able <laughs> to help you grow spiritually. And also, you don't have to be a Christian for a long time to grow spiritually or to be spiritually strong. You know how I know that? Because I've witnessed it with my own eyes. We've all seen the person who has been a Christian for decades, and yet they are still spiritually immature, still a spiritual infant. But we've also all witnessed people who have been a Christian for maybe only a few months 
And yet, because of their willingness to dive into the Word, you've seen how they started to get really strong in the Lord. You know who that reminds me of? Jacob. Jacob. I don't have time to go into all the stories, but in the matter of a few weeks, I saw Jacob grow spiritually strong. A radical transformation leaps. Just amazing growth. And you know why that happened? Because he sat for hours up on the roof of the house, reading the word of God and praying to the Lord. We always try to skip that part. It's amazing how much we try to get our theology to not include the word of God. So John is encouraging us, young man or woman, be strong in the Lord. And when you're strong in the Lord, you won't be led astray by false doctrine. You won't be deceived. No, you have the word of God in you, and you will overcome the evil one. So babies delight in that experience of relationship. Young men delight in the truth and the fact that they've reached to the point where they're no longer led astray by false doctrine, that they're strong with the Word of God within them. But, by the way, you're still vulnerable to flesh. Anyone who's walked this earth, you're still vulnerable to sin. You understand that, right? The temptation of sin will always be there. It doesn't go away. But I've also noticed as you're maturing, there's a decrease in the frequency of sin because there's also an increasing hatred of sin as the word of god comes in you the sin becomes quite repulsive and you're quicker to turn away from sin because of how repulsive it is because what you're becoming more like christ so spiritual young men they know the doctrine but they still haven't reached that final stage of spiritual development he adds another category doesn't he he adds fathers spiritual fathers spiritual mothers Verse 13, he says, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. Verse 14, I've written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. You know him who is from the beginning. And who's that? It's the eternal God, our Father in heaven. Paul says in Philippians 3, that I may know him. The third stage of spiritual development is when you don't just know the doctrine, you know the God who revealed the doctrine, right? You've looked and searched into the depths of the character of God, and you know him. And as you know him, by the way, what I see in spiritual fathers and mothers, as they know him, they worship him. These are some of the most amazing, powerful worshipers that I know. For spiritual fathers, their life has just become a life of worship. They are the first uh, to sing, the first to clap, the first to raise their hands, the first to dance before the Lord because their life now just radiates the glory of God. Their life is dedicated to bringing glory to God. And in so many ways, think about it, they're back to a place of relationship with God just like that infant. Except for now, this relationship is richer, it's fuller, and it's supported by sound doctrine. It's supported by the Holy Scriptures and the Word of God. And now you actually know the author of that doctrine and of that word. You deeply, intimately know God. And don't you just love hanging out with fathers and mothers of the faith? Right? I mean, if there ever was a time for a Starbucks meeting, it's to hang out with our spiritual fathers and mothers. I always want to hear what they have to say about Jesus. I want to hear what they have to say about God. And you know why that is? Because they know God. They know God. In this church alone, in my life, there are so many people 
who know God. I was thinking about Dave speaking and Sonia speaking. These are spiritual fathers, mothers of the faith who know the Lord, know the Lord intimately and are sharing it from the word of God. And so it's an amazing passage. John is encouraging all of us, again, wherever you are, and his love is the same, regardless whether you're children, young men, or fathers. And regardless of of where you're at, I just hope you leave here encouraged. There's room for you today. But I also hope, and it's my prayer, that something would be stirring within all of us, within me, that regardless of where we are on this faith journey, that we would have a desire to take a step forward in our faith journey One of the messages I spoke in Ghana was about moving forward in the things of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to discipline you, convict you, correct you, change you, so that you can move forward to be all that God has called you to be, to become more like Christ. And I just hope that all of us might have that desire to take a step forward. And by the way, I don't have a chart on each of you, by the way. Like, I don't have a file on your spiritual maturity. I I don't know where you're at. That's between you and God. And what a waste of time for me to try to figure that one out. It's between you and God, but you're somewhere. You're somewhere. And wherever you are, I know God wants to encourage you. If you're an infant in the faith, and all you're doing is celebrating the relationship that you have with the Father, that's a good thing. Like, hold your head up high. Like, there's no shame in that. Hallelujah. You know what's amazing about that? You're experiencing the unconditional love of the Father. How good is that? The perfect father loving his child. But I also just need to warn you, you're vulnerable to false doctrine. So keep on building that foundation on Jesus, right? Just keep on learning the word of God so that you can become that spiritual young man or woman. So you can protect yourself from being led astray or deceived or blown to and fro from every wind of doctrine. So keep learning. If you're a spiritual young man or woman, you know that's exhilarating, right? This is a time when you just feel so alive. And you know why it feels so amazing? Because you feel strong. Have you noticed that? Like maybe the person to your left doesn't feel strong or the person to your right doesn't feel strong, but you feel strong. And don't be ashamed of that. Don't be embarrassed by the strength that you feel. The strength you know is not coming from your own strength. The strength is coming from the Lord and coming from the Word of God. And you're just, you're thrilled about life because you know His strength is moving in you and it's flowing through you and it's awesome. But don't settle. Don't settle. Because there's nothing like getting to be that spiritual father where you don't just know the doctrine, but you know the God who's behind the doctrine. You don't just understand the letter of God, you know the author of the letter. And when you get to that point, there's a depth to that that can't be intellectualized. It can't be written down or explained. It can only be experienced. It can only be experienced. And I hope that as we walk through this passage that there's a hunger within all of us to be spiritual fathers. I know that resides deep within me. I want to be a spiritual father. I hunger for that. And I hope that none of us would settle for where we currently are on this journey of spiritual growth. I mean, church, come on. What an opportunity we have. Like right now at 953, we can allow the Holy Spirit to work on us. As we press into Jesus, as we press into scriptures like 1 John, we can actually allow the Holy Spirit to grow us, to mature us, to be all that he has called us and created us to be. 
So I want to close with a powerful statement. When I read this, it just really gripped my heart, and it got me excited about what might be in this church. It's written by a famous minister, H.A. Ironside. Many of you know he was the pastor at Moody for a long time. And, this is, and he's writing on this subject, the subject, subject of fathers in the faith. Listen to what he writes. He says, there are not many fathers in the faith. People may be very old in Christ and yet not be fathers in a spiritual sense. Sadly, many who have been Christian for years are still very worldly-minded and know little of true fellowship with Christ. Paul earnestly prayed that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. He writes, It is this personal knowledge of God that constitutes one a father in Christ. This is the height of Christian maturity and comes through a life of intimate fellowship with Christ. Does your soul long to know him? Do you seek to know him better through the years? There is only one way that you will ever become a father in Christ. It is to know him. Many people are quite clear regarding certain great doctrines or convinced as to where they stand on controversies. They have rigid ideas as how the, the people of God should meet together. And yet there is one thing very evident. They do not know Christ in this intimate relationship that is indicated here. How do you get to know a person? By living with them day by day. How do you get to know Christ? By living in intimate fellowship with Him day by day throughout the years. You know Him when He ministers to you in your sorrow. You know Him when you put Christ first and find your chief joy and gladness in Him. To know Him. This is to be a father in Christ. He finishes by writing, John does not add a word of exhortation. Why? Because when Christ becomes the sole object of the heart, nothing more can be added to that. The heart completely devoted to Christ is delivered from the power of sin, saved from worldliness, and kept from jealousy, envy, and everything that is of the flesh. These things will not be present in the heart where Christ is all in all. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for you. We thank you for this amazing love, this undeserved love. And that you love us right now and you love us the same. You don't have people here. There's not like a divvying up of your love in this place. You love us regardless of where we are on this journey. Even for those of us who have yet to accept you as our Lord and Savior, there is an amazing love of God for you today. But God, I pray that each one of us in our hearts would choose, make the decision to obey the commands of Christ and to move forward to become more like your son, Jesus. No one's going to force us to make that decision. No one's going to force us to change. Even you, God, you're so patient with us. But yet your Holy Spirit desires to do a work in us today. Your Holy Spirit desires to conform us to the image of Christ. Your Holy Spirit desires to transform us to become more like Jesus. And so God, I know for myself and my heart and my mind, I choose to surrender to your work. I want to grow. I want to be more like Jesus today. 
In those areas of immaturity, Lord, I want to grow. I want to grow. Lord, I want to be strong in your word. I want to have the assurance that I have overcome the evil one by your word. Lord, and I want to be one that would be known as someone who knows you, Lord. Who knows you intimately. And Lord, that's my heart's desire, and I believe that there are others here that might have that same desire. If you do have the desire, would I, just so I know who I'm praying with, would you raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with? Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. Put your hands there. Almost everyone in this room. Lord, you see our hunger. You see our hearts. And Lord, I just think about when we get in our cars and we go home and we go into reality. So many things try to keep us where we're just living in the flesh and not by the Spirit. So many things try to keep us spiritually immature, where we gravitate towards selfishness and pride, envy, malice, anger. Lord, I believe by your Spirit, even now you're speaking to us, that if that's how we've been living, there is no reason that's how we have to live today. I believe you're speaking, Lord, that even if we live that way for decades, there's no reason. Because of you and because of your power, there is no reason that we have to live that way today. And so, Lord, even now, I, I believe that we would need a renewing of our mind. That some of us just need a renewing of our mind. And, I, Lord, I even pray at a biological level that you would begin to create new pathways in our brains. Where some of us have gone to the path of least resistance. We've gone to the familiar, to the things that we know. The things that we think are safe and comfort. That right now, Lord, you would challenge even our minds to create new pathways that would obey you, Lord, and obey your commands. We thank you for that, Jesus. And for others of us, it's not our minds, it's our hearts. There's areas of our hearts that have closed off to you, God. We've compartmentalized our faith. There's parts of our heart that have hurts and bitterness and just unforgiveness residing within them, Lord. And yet we are choosing right now that you would be the king of all of our hearts, not just a part of our heart, but you would have authority in every part of our heart, every chamber of our heart, every category, every compartment of our heart, Lord. You would be king. You would have authority. You would reign in those places. And so, Jesus, even now, as we said that your light would come, and as your light came, the darkness fleed, we pray that over our hearts, any area of darkness, Lord, your light would come, invade that place, your darkness would have to, the darkness would have to flee. We believe in that, God. And so, Lord, we pray that we would leave here not under con condemnation, not under guilt, not under even shame, Lord, but we'd leave here in freedom, freedom of a mind that's been renewed and a heart that's been changed, a body, heart, mind, soul, and strength, a body that has stepped forward into the things that you've called us and created us to be and to do. And we believe that, God. We are walking out of here in freedom. And I thank you, God, that it is a freedom to be spiritually mature. It is a freedom not to indulge in the sinful nature, yet a freedom to serve one another in love. As you said last week, Lord, as you have loved us, we will love one another. They will know we are Christians by our love. And they will even see our spiritual maturity as we learn how to serve one another, how to lay our lives down for one another, how to truly be as Christ, to give up everything, to humble ourselves, even death, to love another human being. We love you, Jesus. We love you, God. We love you, Holy Spirit. We worship you. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins. And we thank you for the opportunity to grow, to become more like Jesus Christ today. And it's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen.